Hi, and welcome to Black White. But mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between right and wrong are blurred by our own personal vision of reality. If we take the time to look beyond the labels, we understand that most things are complex and nuanced. Not every situation is good or bad. Not everything is right or wrong. There are many gray areas in life, and that's what we want to explore. So open your minds and join us. everyone welcome to a new season of black white but mostly gray we've heard from so many of you in a mostly gray family and we're so appreciative of your feedback deno how are you feeling about our second season well you know aliki i believe for everything there's a season and for some things there's a season two uh like black white but mostly gray you know i thought we might run out of things to say but that really hasn't been a problem has it <laughs> no it hasn't we are humbled and super excited to have special guests on our show today, NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Kramer and what, Green Bay Packers. Yep. You got Jerry Kramer on the show today? We sure do. And Green and, Bay Bob. And Green Bay Bob, who is the co-author of Jerry's latest book, Run to Win. They'll be joining us for a look at the influence of sports celebrities back when Jerry played for Vince Lombardi and how the landscape has changed for athletes today. Really looking forward to that conversation. Bob is a college friend of mine and look forward to catching up with him and Jerry. But first, we want to give a shout out to our very good friend, Kono, for our fresh new bumper tunes. We love the new hip hop R&B fusion beats. <laughs> I like how you, you know, you work that whole hip hop and R&B fusion thing into this whole show today. You did say you're going to use that last time. Well, yeah, you know, I didn't want to waste the knowledge. Visit our About Us page at buttmostlygray.com for more information on Kono and some other good stuff that we have on there as well. Before we dive into our conversation about Aaron Rodgers and the influence of sports celebrities, though, let's take a trip into the mystical and mysterious mind of a leaky. Yes, it's time for a leaky's world, where a leaky explains some of her recent social media posts to me and our but mostly gray community. You can see all the social media posts we talk about on our new Grapevine page at butmostlygray.com. I also post them on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Give us a like and a share if you can. Awesome. Were you ready to go with the Leaky's World? Let's do it. All right. I know you're excited about this first one. Google announced a new entree into the AI world. And what do you think they called it, Leaky? Gemini. Gemini. And, yeah. and I love it. I think, I think, first of all, Google started out on the right foot by naming the model Gemini. Right. As, right. as we all know, Gemini is intellectually curious and they're the social butterflies of the zodiac. They're quick witted and they can talk to anyone about anything. Sounds like anyone you know, Deno? Just give me a few minutes to think about that one, all right? <laughs> yes. So I looked into, you know, Gemini and 
you know, while I didn't, I haven't used it like I have Chat, chat GPT. I did do a, uh, watch a lot of YouTube uh, reviews, and what the experts are saying is that uh, Gemini, you know, can understand the world around us just like we do. Um, and I, you know, I I did watch a video where like I saw that it it does appear to be more dynamic than Chat GPT, but uh, according to the experts. While it might be faster, free, and very capable, ChatGPT is still a lot more capable than Gemini, which, you know, I kind of find hard to believe. But it's still, you know, fairly new. So we'll see what develops in the future. You know, as an aside, yesterday I was Googling and I just wanted to quickly get to the website. So I went to Google. I put black, white, but mostly gray. They now have an AI uh, generative experiment where you can say, do you want an AI description? And it's kind of cool. It says, Black, White, But Mostly Gray is a book by Bill Lee. And it's also the name of a podcast by Aliki and Dan. No and then, way. Yeah, it says a podcast explores the nuanced shades of gray. I saw that. I'm like, we've arrived, Aliki. We made it to <laughs> Google AI. That is so cool i'm excited yeah yeah yeah. i'm really excited but hey guys if you want to read more about gemini we do have uh, a story about it on a a grapevine page so just hop on to uh, butmostlygray.com for your next post it's a quote from the tiny buddha and can you read it for us it says silence isn't empty it's full of answers and you know i'm kind of taken away by this uh this image of this young person looks like a boy sitting there oh you can see at the stars and and the water kind of reminds me of when i was in thailand mm. but i love silence um as much of a social butterfly and a chatterbox that i i can be that i am uh there's a, an aspect of me that also loves the quiet and i think that's so important especially in our world today where there's so much noise and constant just chatter and you know so many things that we're multitasking i think it's important to take some time during the day whether it's five minutes or more to just be silent and go within um i try to do that every morning when i wake up and also sometimes when i'm not too tired i I try to do a little bit of a meditation before i go to sleep it does really help me with my sleep and it helps me get back to myself um after a long day if you want to make right choices in your life, you have to get in touch with your soul. And the only time that you really have a chance to get in touch with your soul is when you block out all the noise. And it's really hard these days because we're so used to getting up, turning on the alarm clock, flipping on the TV, throwing on the radio, you know, sometimes all at once. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need a little bit of silence because in the silence, sometimes hear the truth and you sometimes hear the solutions. Exactly. Let's say, you know, prayer is talking to God and meditation, which is basically being silence, is listening to God. So I really do like to sit quietly and listen to God. That, that, that way I feel connected. Well, that's All awesome. Yeah. Let's go on to our final one. This is a man standing in front of an erupting volcano as tongues of fiery orange and crimson dance wildly about him. And what does it say, Aliki? It says, true validation doesn't come from external echoes. It resonates from the depth of your own recognition of intrinsic worth. 
<laughs> this is hilarious for me, one, because then you and I were both PR marketing people. <laughs> yes. But we also understand that true value uh, you know that that true validation. You know that your true sense, your true essence comes from within. And so I just wanted to share this because you know it is it is what we need to focus on more than anything. Uh, because I think now we live in a world, or well, I guess we've always lived in a world where, and constantly being told who we are by the outside, we're looking for our worth from others. And, and this kind of goes hand in hand, even with that, you know, taking some time t- to be silent. That silence is not empty because that's how you reconnect to that aspect of you that can help you understand your intrinsic worth. This whole thing about seeking validation from the outside is what's really eating a lot of us up. You know, all of this plastic surgery, the ridiculous makeup we wear and all of this, you know, just dying to, to be in certain connections with certain people to be seen. Or even our accomplishments. Uh, most of the times, it's all because we want that validation from the outside. But what really matters is how we feel within. That's that's what this means to me. And I couldn't agree more. Good stuff from our favorite Gemini. We'll be right back with Green Bay Packer great Jerry Kramer and my good friend, Green Bay Bob Fox. In the meantime, enjoy our new season two tunes. My name is David Murray, and I am creator and owner of Think Free Threads and Things, a Black-owned online apparel company. Our apparel is fun, simple, and think-free, with messages that encourage us to think freely, independently, creatively, intelligently, and wisely. We are excited to be the exclusive provider of Black, White, but Mostly Great apparel. You can check it out along with everything else we offer on our website, thinkfreethreadsandthings.com. That's thinkfreethreadsandthings.com. You can also find more info and a link to our website on the Grapevine page of butmostlygray.com. If we think free, we will move closer to achieving a more fair and equitable society for all people. Welcome back, everyone. We're honored and thrilled to have NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Kramer with us today and Bob Fox, who's the co-author of Jerry's latest book, Run to Win. Green Bay Bob, as he's known in the sports world, is a college friend of mine. He's a distinguished author and a somewhat mediocre sheepshead player. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Yes, I am a mediocre sheepshead player, but I, I consider myself a very good uh, grill master, at least before the card game. Jerry, we're absolutely thrilled to have you on the show. Now, your journey to the NFL Hall of Fame started way back in 1957 when you were drafted by the Green Bay Packers, along with Jim Taylor, Dan Curry, and number 66, Ray Nitschke. In your book, Run to Win, 
you said you found out from a classmate that you'd been drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Can you tell us what that was like and what you felt when you heard that you were drafted by Green Bay? Yeah, I uh, had a one o'clock class at the university and uh, the draft was on and we knew about it, but we didn't, I hadn't heard much about it. I had a teammate at the university by the name of Wayne Walker, played 15 years for Detroit as an outside linebacker in another story. But he and three guys were waiting for me when I got out of class. I got up to where they were waiting, and Jerry, you've been drafted. Wow, super. That's great. Uh, What round? Fourth round. Wow. Gee, that's great. Wow. Who drafted me? Green Bay Packers. Oh. Uh, uh, Where the hell is Green Bay? And somebody said, it's on a big lake. I said, yeah, we got a map and looked it up. And it was, of course, on Lake Michigan. But I really hadn't heard a lot about Green Bay up to that point. My yearbook in high school, my dream was to be a Los Angeles Rams. I had seen them on television a couple of times. And they had a guy named Crazy Legs Hirsch. Oh, yeah. A great, great running back. And so visions of sugar plums danced in my wee little head. Well, yeah, and certainly Crazy Leg has some ties to Wisconsin uh, and the University of Wisconsin. Jerry, you had an illustrious career with the Packers. You played 130 games. You won five NFL championships. You won two Super Bowls. Many, many memorable moments, but, but we have to talk about the Ice Bowl and what some describe as perhaps the most famous block in NFL history. In fact, you devote an entire chapter to the Ice Bowl in your book. Take us inside the huddle that day as you line up for that fateful play. Kind of set the scene for us and tell us what happened. Well, I think we got to go back a little farther than the huddle, like like to Thursday afternoon in short yardage defense and offense uh, with the offensive team. We're watching films of the Cowboys, and uh, I see that Jethro Pugh, unlike Bob Lilly on the other side, Bob's got his nose about six inches from the turf, and you can't uh, wedge him with a D9 cat. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking at Jethro, and Jethro is big kid, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and uh, he comes up. He comes, just lifts himself right up. And uh, I say to Coach Lombardi, Coach is not real uh, thrilled to be interrupted when he's giving uh, lectures on on a team or explaining stuff. And I said, Coach, we can wedge Pew if we have to. And he goes, what? And I said, we can, uh, uh, we can wedge Pew if we have to. And he goes, run that back. Uh, okay, run it back. So we ran it back about three times. And he said, that's right. Put in a wedge on Pew. So I sighed a big wow. sigh of relief and kind of put it in the in the compartment and it forgot about it. And I assumed, you know, if I was going to have a block on pew, it would be in the middle of the field or maybe fourth down or, you know, a lot of time, no, no great scenario. As it turned out, there were 13 seconds to go. And I, Bart called the sneak. And I'm going, wow, I really put myself in an interesting spot. 
And uh, I may, maybe I should have kept my mouth shut. And well, it's too late for that now. So I had some fundamentals, head up, eyes open, good footing, come off the ball, put your head in your just rose chest and keep your head up and charge. So I did. And uh, we got uh, lucky a bit because Jethro was a, a fine football player. But we got over the goal line, and it was a, it was like a running back day for this offensive guard. Yeah. Everybody was pounding on my back, and Yahoo, and yippity dippity day. And Coach Lombardi was watching the film in the locker room afterwards, and uh, they're going to play the sweep or the sneak on the tube. And uh, they play it, and we make the block. And Coach goes, way to go, Jerry, way to go. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a beautiful moment. And that was what a a lineman lives for. So it was a wonderful day. And Dick Schapp was there with me. We were working on a book called Instant Replay. And uh, I, after the dressing room and getting dressed, and Dick and I were in the car together and we're going away and he said boy that was some last play and i said thank god for instant replay <laughs> if, it, if it hadn't been for instant replay there'd have been a big pile of bodies and uh be messed in that thing somewhere and the, and the packers score and we win and thank you very much but because of instant replay that play was played over and over and over and has been kind of a signature play for me and the green bay packers well, you know, Jerry, I, I think Lambeau probably seated about 60,000, 65,000 back then before all the renovations and stuff. But I bet in your career, you probably met four or five times that number who said they were there that day, don't you think? <laughs> yes, that's absolutely right. But I do want to tell you one thing. My brother and his wife, Nancy, Jim and Nancy, they were at that game, and uh, it's, it was one of the big thrills of his life. You know, your book describes uh, the famous Packer sweep that was led by you and the incomparable Fuzzy Thurston and how it was really instrumental in winning the 1965 NFL championship. And that's where you defeated the Cleveland Browns and the late, great Jim Brown. Now, some say Brown may have been the greatest NFL player of all time, but he was also one of the most polarizing. He was one of the first NFL players to use his platform to call attention to racial inequality. He walked away from football in his prime at the age of 30, went on to have a successful acting career and a a career, you know, in a life as an activist. Jerry, what are your thoughts about Jim Brown? How how do you think he compares to some of our modern athletes? I don't think there's much question about his greatness. He certainly is at the top of my list. Uh, I'm sure he is at the top of a lot of lists because he was an incredible physical specimen, had balance, he had brains, he had everything he needed, and he used it, and he used it well. He had a heart, a big heart, and uh, he, he didn't play golf all that well, but he was a wonderful football player. But I got to play golf with him one day, and he was dragging his feet a little bit across the greens and leaving tracks, and I they gave him a little grief just for because I could, but he was uh, one of my uh, the guys that I remember so well, 
and and uh, I don't think you can give him too much praise and too much adulation because he was sensational. You know, now back in the 1960s, it was pretty rare to have a white player and a black player room together. But you and Willie Davis, who were really good friends at the time, decided that uh, you wanted to have a room together. And it pretty casual conversation that led to it. Yeah, Willie uh, and I had a relationship from years before that. But uh, we were both about the same age and both looking at uh, another year or maybe two. But then we're going to be out in the big wide world doing something. With my, and I'm not sure. And Willie's got an MBA and he's on on the board of uh, several companies. Ultimately, he sat on the board of Dow Chemical, MGM Grand, Sara Lee, just uh, about 14 New York Exchange boards uh, asked him to sit on their board and he accepted. So he was a very bright human being and a very uh, fun and a very quick wit and so we were going to lunch one day at a uh, downtown restaurant that was a brand new franchise and we were looking at franchises as to our future so we rode down to this franchise together and had lunch and uh we're just uh, flapping our gums afterwards uh, just really excited about it and talking about it and and we're get to the dormitory and we're talking going into the dormitory and up the steps and and my room was just a couple doors uh from the entrance of the dorm and we standing in front of my room and Willie said something about getting back to his room and I said well my roommate's not coming back Don Chandler had decided not to return for another year I said why don't you room with me and he said well let me get some stuff Jay and so he got some stuff and we he moved in and we continued the conversation. And it went on for 15 years or 20 years. And Willie and I never knew that we were the second interracial roommates that existed in that long line. Yeah, uh, the first but, being but, Brian Prick, Piccolo and Gail Sayers, and they did the movie and everything. You know, it seems yeah. a little incredible that the smallest city in the NFL would be a trailblazer for racial integration. But it sounds well, like you had a an environment there where race wasn't a big issue with the Packers. Is that right? That's exactly right. Uh, we judged a guy by his contribution to the team, by the kind of quality human being he was, not his color. Hey, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers for a few moments. Clearly one of the most polarizing sports celebrities of this time, both on and off the field. Let's start on uh, the football side of things first. Aaron got the trade he was apparently looking for, but it certainly hasn't turned out the way his hope. Some fans here in Green Bay are bitter because the Packers let him go. Others have hard feelings towards Aaron because they felt he wanted to leave. What's your view well, on the parting of the ways between Aaron and the Packers? Well, there's a $75 million uh, part of that situation. And that could secure Aaron's future for the rest of his life. And I personally was angry about it. I, I was disappointed in him and angry. And I spent about two weeks or three in that posture and then I goes, well, hey, fool, would you take the money? Would you be 
fair to your family to take that money and establish them and establish you? And wouldn't wouldn't you be tempted by seventy five million to go to hell and back or wherever you, you had to go? And I said, of course. So I I kind of came to an accommodation with Aaron's decision and decided that it was a normal decision for an athlete, for a pro ball player. And that's part of, not the reason he plays, but that's part of the reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay, I'm okay with Aaron. I, I think he gave the Green Bay Packers 10, 12 great years. He was a wonderful player. He's a great human being. And I wish him well. And I, I'm pulling for him. Uh, he, I'm uh, also... He- I'm also say, pulling for pulling for Jordan Love right now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, I know that in 2018, when you uh, were inducted in the Hall of Fame, Rogers publicly congratulated you, and then I think several weeks later, you had an opportunity to see him on the field at Lambeau. You were there being honored. What what was your relationship, and, and what is your relationship with Aaron Rodgers? Very um, mutual admiration is a, a good term. And I think that fits. I thought Aaron was a wonderful player and made a great contribution to the Green Bay Packers. And we loved him. He did a he did wonderful things for us. We're happy to be able to have him. And I'm sure he had a great time while he was there and winning his Super Bowl and championships and making a contribution to the team. So I I think we you know I I'd like to call him my friend because he came over to me and congratulated me and gave me a big hug and we just had a nice relationship. We didn't spend a lot of time together, but the time we spent together was very friendly and very cordial. A lot of respect there I imagine Jerry. Hey, we're coming right back to finish up our interview with Jerry and Bob right after this short break. Stay with us. The McGinnity Family Foundation seeks to transform the world by helping young people use their innovative spirit to address local and global challenges. Our quarterly grant cycle is open and we are accepting applications. We invite young people aged 30 and under to apply for grants to fund their game-changing, socially innovative projects that address community needs. We are specifically looking for projects that align with our sustainability framework and address mental health, racial equality, and or a community need that resulted from COVID-19. Visit the Grapevine page of butmostlygray.com for a link to our website and more information. McGinnity Family Foundation, transforming the world by giving voice to our young people. back to our conversation with NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Kramer and the co-author of his new book, Run to Win, Green Bay Bob. We've been talking about Aaron Rodgers and the impact he's had as a football player, but Aaron also makes news as one of the more polarizing athletes of our time. 
He pretty much created his own platform, speaking weekly on the Pat McAfee podcast. During COVID-19, he said he was immunized against the virus, but later admitted that he took part in a holistic process because he wasn't comfortable taking the vaccine. He claimed that using mushrooms helped him win back-to-back MVPs. He invoked Martin Luther King's words to ignore the NFL mask mandate. And he also says he doesn't mind being cast as a villain. And the whole woke culture just wants to be offended by everything anyway. Jerry, when you're a sports celebrity, how do you use that platform to share your views? And how do you think Aaron has used his? You've got an obligation to the team and to your teammates and to your coaches. You're obligated to play your very best and and prepare yourself during the off hours for the time that you're going to play. You have that consistency of performance that you're looking for. And so other than that, you're a human being. And we all have little different uh, idiosyncrasies or idiosyncratic thoughts about our future and our politics and our uh, our life and the people around us. And that's kind of your business. That's not the team's business. And so I've, I always felt that, well, Aaron had some interesting ideas. Maybe if we sat down and had a beer, we could discuss it and come to an accommodation with the feelings and the emotions. But as long as he was completing that path and he was playing well on Sunday afternoon, he was my guy. And that's (laughs) all the right I had to judge him or to compare him to somebody else was his performance on Sunday afternoon. And he handled that very well. I want to point out that you know, Aaron Rodgers is and will remain one of the most beloved Packers of all time. He's got a huge following. He's been very involved in a number of charities, including the Boys and Girls Club, Feeding America. He's big in the MAC, uh, the Midwest Athletes Against Childhood Cancer. He personally funded a cause, a million dollars plus, to help the victims of California wildfires. So he's a good guy, isn't he, Jerry? He contributes to his society and to the people around him and to his country. And you can't ask a great deal more than that. I think we could forgive him any trivial action or thought process and look at the overall human being and his impact on society. And Aaron has had a very positive impact. So I gave him an A+. Well, there you go. Hey, Hey, Dan. Yeah, go ahead, Bob. I just, I just want to chime in just a little bit here about Aaron. You know, Aaron, uh, he's got a blurb in our book, which is a great blurb. Here's what Aaron said about Jerry. He said, there's a reverence for those special, special guys who have helped further the legacy of the Green Bay Packers. And Jerry, for sure, is one of them. He's an iconic player from uh, an iconic era in all-time sports history. Back in Jerry's era, remember, there was no social media. There were, what, you had three television stations in town. There was no cable TV. You had newspapers. You didn't have the internet. Completely different time comparative to now where, you know, you can get on, it's called X now, or used to be called Twitter and all these other things, Facebook. It's a completely different era. And sometimes it can just, one little incident can blow up and be heard by millions within a matter of seconds. It's just a completely crazy, crazier time comparative to when Jerry played. You point out, you know, there was no social media. There was not the 24-7 news coverage. 
But we what we did have as as kids growing up in that day was some great books. I remember when Instant Replay and Ball Four by Jim Bouton came out. Those were probably my two favorite sports biographies of you know my preteen years. Dick Moranis of, of the New York Times calls you Jerry the Renaissance man of the glory years. Green Bay, not just a great player, but also well read, a perspective writer, great talker. You can tell just by talking that you're very well read. He considers you to be the embodiment of the Lombardi era Packers. Jerry, how did a kid who grew up in Sandpoint, Idaho, become the embodiment of perhaps the greatest dynasty in sports history? Yeah, well, the guy named Lombardi got involved. <laughs> got involved in my life i thought that was he was a, a guard so that he would probably give me a little attention because i was playing the spot that he played when he was in college i'm having a bad practice one day i miss a block and then i miss an assignment and he's on the other side of the field and he comes running across the field he gets about six inches from my nose and he says mister the concentration period of a college student, five minutes, high school is three minutes, kindergarten is 30 seconds, and you don't have that. So where's that put you? <laughs> well, put me checking my shoe shine. Right. So I go up to the locker room, shuck my shoulder pads off, and got my hand in my chin in my hand, my elbow, my knee, checking the carpet, looking at the patterns of the carpet, wondering where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do and if I'm going to be out of football altogether or, you know, maybe I can get a job in the logging industry, which is <laughs> what my hometown did most of the time. And so I'm sitting there for about a half hour, 45 minutes, and he comes in after working with the wide receivers and Bart on patterns, and he sees me down at the far end of the room, comes down and slaps me on the back of the neck and pushes me on the shoulder and said, son, one of these days you're going to be the best guard in football. And he walked away. And my heart went boom. <laughs> and I went, wow. He he believes in me. He, he is he's just trying to correct me, trying to make me better. But he made me want to be the best I could be. And I owe him a great deal for that, instilling that into my mind, into my attitude, into my play. So he was a, a wonderful part of that organization and had a great impact on every player. And by the way, he was a, a, a person who would not tolerate the least amount of prejudice or bigotry. There was a restaurant in Green Bay that uh, a brand new steakhouse opened up called the coach about coming down for an evening meal and whatnot. And uh, he said, I understand you don't serve the African-American person in your restaurant. And the owner was talking with him, said, that's right. They won't, you'll never see him in here. And Coach Lombardi said, well, you'll never see me in there either or any of the Green Bay Packers. None of them will ever step foot in that restaurant as long as I'm alive. Wow. And uh, so he made that very clear. And uh, he himself had been the subject of some prejudice and some problems like that because of his Italian heritage. Prejudice is so stupid. 
when you look at the human being and you see a wonderful human being there and you can't agree with him or chat with him because of his color or because of his eyes or because of his hair or because of his shoes or whatever the hell you were uh, prejudiced against at that time. So it's just not logical. It's not reasonable. You look at that that team, Jerry, from, from the Super Bowl years and and, and what you've all gone on to do in, in, in your second act, and it's fabulous. I mean, you're just, you're not just great football players. You're great individuals who've done so much to give back to the community and, and society. Seemed to be the right thing to do. It <laughs> felt good as a human being. It felt good with the people, the relationship. They supported us. We supported them. Shared principles for a person who wants to achieve a successful life or a successful venture. That there were things like commitment, like consistency, like preparation, like pride, like character, like tenacity, and grit. Just plain old grit. Just grit your teeth and get after it. So those qualities work in any area of life and you can any get- job. Or- yeah, you can get. I was going to say you can get a lot done with those things, can't you, Jerry? Yes, you can. And if you if you if you're willing to pay the price and make the sacrifice, you can have just about anything you can dream of. But it it takes effort. It takes hard work. It takes concentration. It takes uh, desire. It takes so many of those qualities that uh, that often we've just not really committed and dedicated and involved in where we want to go and not willing to pay the price to be there and achieve what the world will allow you to achieve if you're willing. I like the the phrase, uh, the world is full of willing people, a few who are willing to do do things and the rest who are willing to let them. You want to be one of those that are willing to do stuff. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, thanks so much, Jerry. Bob, do you, I, I'm going to give you the parting word here. What do you want to say? Well, no, actually, I, I want Jerry to have the parting word about Coach Lombardi. Jerry, if you wouldn't mind, uh, you talked about, about Coach Lombardi's uh, philosophy about life. Can you expand on that? Well, you, why don't you share uh, it with us? Okay, okay. This is, I love this. This is one of my favorite parts of when, when I was writing the book. And he says, Coach Lombardi used to share a philosophy about life with us. He says, after the game is over, the stadium lights are out, the parking lot is empty, the fans have all gone home, the press has done their job and released their information, and you are finally back in the quiet of your own room looking at the championship ring on the dresser. The only thing left after that is to have a standard of excellence in your life. Make sure that the world is a better place because you were in it. Yeah. yeah. There, there was, and it, you know, there's one other thought that's in my mind that keeps bouncing back. When we were inducted into the Hall of Fame, we had a wonderful feeling and wonderful emotion and wonderful ceremony. And we went to a ball game in Green Bay and we were, the, the alumni team, all the guys were introduced at halftime. And when I was introduced, Somebody started a chant. It went, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. And the whole whole stadium was roaring. And I'm my heart is busting uh, through my chest. And it was a beautiful moment. Uh, so that my final thought about the 
Green Bay Packer fans and the Green Bay Packer experiences. They loved me and I loved them. Wow. Hey, thanks so much, Jerry and Bob. This has been such a treat. I uh, want to wish you continued good luck on your book, Run to Win. It's available on Amazon and many other retailers. For more information on how you can get a copy, uh, visit our website, butmostlygray.com. We've got some information out there. Stay with us as I continue the conversation with Leaky after the break. Be right back. Dan, that was quite the interview. I love Jerry's unprejudiced perspective on life and how he seems to truly be grateful for the opportunities he's had in life. Living life with a grateful heart, we like to say. He has some fresh views for a man who is 88 years young. Yeah, he's also got some interesting perspective on Aaron Rodgers, I thought, Jim Brown, and some other outspoken athletes. You know, in our Next episode, Leaky and I are going to continue the conversation about athletes who speak their mind. That's right, Dan. We're going to talk about Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, Colin Kaepernick, and other star athletes who have put themselves out there for a cause, and sometimes at a great personal expense. But that's going to wrap it up for our season premiere. Again, we want to thank Jerry Kramer and Bob Fox. Guys, you are wonderful. Continued success with your book, Run to Win. We want to thank Kalanji Kodima for the awesome new tunes for season two. And we invite you to visit our website at butmostlygrid.com for some more stuff to feed your brain. Please like and share our stuff on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thank you so much for listening. Please keep an open mind, a kind heart, and join us next time for Black, White, But Mostly Gray. Namaste, my friends. <laughs>